Hello, and welcome, my lovers. Come on in, sit down, relax, shoes, 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 you know the deal. Welcome to this podcast of friendship, frivolity, and just, you know, some fucking great games. You know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm saying. This is our sixth episode. Six is my lucky number. I realized it when I was six and my name had six letters in it. I felt like it was meant to be. Luckily, this week, I am joined by some great friends to help me out. So the good news is that joining me this week is... Diego Cochting. Rodrigo Cochting. And my name is Jordan D'Souza. But the bad news, unfortunately, as always, is that your podcast is in Another Castle, episode six. The lucky one. The one-third of the number of the beast... It can't. <laughs> I, I imagine if we make it to episode six, 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 we're probably going to be well into our uh, deathbed. I'd imagine our eighties. Exactly, Rodrigo. You're oh, good at math. Quickly, how old am I going to be on episode six, six, six? Dead. Perfect. Thank you very much, Rodrigo. A lot of math. <laughs> a lot of math took place yeah. in that calculation. I feel like he he did he gave me what I deserved for that question. So that's about right. Mm-hmm. And honestly, <laughs> yeah. he's probably right. So it's fine. It all works out in the end. <laughs> and I'm brought to you. This week with these lovely men, these lovely video games, they're so great. And I know there's some questions that our listeners, I almost called them viewers. I guess it's a, pod, it's a podcast of the mind. They're viewing us in their mind's eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. listeners, they all want to know which of these beautiful games are we playing this week. So I'll start with you, Diego. Diego, this week, what you play? This week, I've been playing Skyrim. I don't know how I got there. I think it was... Uh, I'm sorry, did you say Skyrim was- or Skyward Sword? Skyrim, okay, not I, Skyward Sword. No, yeah. That's ears, Rodrigo. <laughs> my ears thought they heard something else, but no, I was. Right. Yeah, no, believe it or not, I started up my copy of Skyrim on the Switch the other day with the intention to persuade Rodrigo to give it a try. I even created a character with him to show him the different character customization options, and of course, we landed on High Elf, a uh, High Elf race, and named him Theowin. I played the first twenty minutes of the game's classic intro for Rodrigo to experience. But despite my best efforts, Rodrigo still seemed uninterested. Uh, I, on the other hand, immediately remembered how good this game was and decided to dive right in again. Um, So I've been playing it for the past two days, but I've already done a ton of missions. I've already, like, defeated five dragons, joined a band of werewolves, killed some vampires, and even helped a a dog find his missing friend. Mm, Most importantly, I think. Yeah, of course. All these uh, awesome missions in Skyrim. And even though uh, I've played this game before, I still, I'm still encountering like new missions that I've never done before. Overall, the, the game does feel like a new experience for me because this time I decided to prioritize using magic as opposed to being a tank character, which is typically the type of character that I start games with. Mm. Uh, it's definitely a lot more challenging this time since characters that prioritize magic usually are weaker at first. But um, I'm having a blast with this game again, and I'm playing it on my Switch which is one of the reasons that I bought this game on the Switch was because I knew that I would be playing it a lot. So I'm, I'm actually pretty happy that I'm putting the game to good use, you know, finally. <laughs> I respect the fact that you're not playing as a tank because I feel like whenever I play RPGs like this, I have to always pick whatever uh, character is going to bring the most immediate damage. But then I see people doing playthroughs and they're like these mages and these wizards. And I'm like, this is what I should have been playing. This is a fun wizard game. I should have been a wizard this whole time. Yeah. So I respect yeah. that. <laughs> I never, I never pick the tank. Like, I'm never, like, the soldier or the paladin or, like, the swords person. I'm always, like, the magic wielder. You're a stronger man than I am. I feel like, I feel like 
in order to play those builds properly, you have to wait for a while to get in. And I, I don't know if I have the patience and I'm just worried that I won't. I do it for the same reason. Like I basically like pick a tank character because I feel it's like the easier route at the beginning. And the mage, you know, I never get to that point where I replay a game and I play with like the, the character that uses magic. Right. But this time I'm actually doing it and I'm having a lot of fun, too. No oh, good, as you should be. Sometimes I try to mix them, but then I'm using mage, but then like at the very end, so I have all these very weak spells that aren't doing anything, and I'm like, well, this is why I'm <laughs> never a mage. And it's like, well, no, you you put yourself in the bad situation to start with. Rodrigo, put us in a better situation. Tell us what you're playing. I mean, to no surprise, I'm playing Skyward Sword. I... I'm sorry, did you say Skyrim? <laughs> yes, no, Sky sorry. Skyrim Sword. I made that mistake twice, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm playing Skyward Sword. I, I managed to get a, an early copy, as in I went the day before its actual release to our local video game store mm. and uh, finessed my copy. Uh, finessed me being just that I asked if they had it and they were like, yeah, you can buy it right now if you want. Everyone everyone go to your local store and buy a copy or anything early. And I really like it. I think like the the, the graphics look uh, they look really sharp for what I expected them to be. Uh, the style of animation is like cell shaded kind of almost. So it's like it, it, it has a lot of flexibility there in terms of how much you can get out of it when you're trying to modernize it. You can tell that a lot of the gameplay is set around the concept. I, I mean, you have to remember that this was a Wii game. And so most people were playing this with the Wii mote, which is a motion sensitive control. And so a lot of this game is based around the fact that you can use your sword in like eight different directions, right? Like up, down, left, right, diagonal for each one of the sides. So sometimes you will encounter ropes that are meant to be cut diagonally, like say up left kind of thing. Or there's enemies that will have like a sword in a certain position. So they have to be attacked from the other side. And so at times it does feel like it's almost easier because they recognize that they're asking you to do this specific movement. So like I went into like a couple of caves and you have these bats that are almost like stopping in front of you because they want you to hit with a sword up. But I'm not complaining right now because it has taken me some time to get used to um, kind of like being able to control it without the, the motion, right? Because I'm playing with the Pro Control Switch Pro Controller. And I think I am getting to the point where I, I do, I am getting used to it and I don't have an issue. But I do recognize that I think that's, that's part of uh, maybe the challenge or, or something that would be less fun. Than, than the alternative, but I'm loving it so far. The The story is great. The animation style is great. Uh, I'm very excited to be playing a Legend of Zelda that has the concepts of temples as like I kind of really knew them as like I love Breath of the Wild and I think it is a flawless game, but they kind of changed the temples into like those beasts and then complemented the, the big beast that you kind of control with some additional shrines that had these cool uh, uh, puzzles for you to solve. And so I'm kind of uh, interested in exploring like more more of the traditional format. I think so that's going to be cool. Um, besides that, I don't I don't know if uh, I, I, maybe not you specifically, Jordan, but a lot of Nintendo fans will know that the music from Skyward Sword is particularly iconic and was also kind of really tied into uh, this big uh, Legend of Zelda symphony that they they put out that comes out comes to Toronto. I think every other year at this point. But, you know, it, it has like uh, some big musical moments now from the entire franchise. But I think like really the big point where people started paying attention was with Skyward Sword. And so the music is absolutely lovely. So, yeah, I mean, overall, a blast. If somebody out there want, is, is interested in checking this out, I definitely recommend it. I really like when they take games that because for me, Zelda or Skyward Sword seemed like a game that Zelda fans would love despite 
the Wii motion and the Wii controls. So I'm kind of glad that they were able to actually take it and put it in the hands of an actual video game controller so that people can enjoy it more. Yeah, I was just going to say that I think that maybe uh, like I don't I, Diego's played it with the, the the motion controller and I think he describes it as a positive experience. So I, I wouldn't say that uh, it was necessarily lacking this, but I'm I just don't enjoy the idea of playing with motion controllers not specifically legend of zelda but all games and so i'm very happy that they were that i was at least given this possibility i think part of my apprehension before of playing this game had to do with that not necessarily because i had played it and i didn't enjoy it but rather because i just don't like it in theory and so i never even gave it a chance so i'm happy that this happened yeah i was gonna say i feel like that's that's kind of the complaint people don't want to try it because they're worried they're not gonna like it even though everyone says they yeah. like it so I'm mm -hmm. it only took Nintendo like 10 years to change the controllers for you to play it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm happy I waited, you know, no regrets <laughs> here. No, regrets. Uh, Jordan, what are you playing? So as I was last week, I was playing infamous first light, which is again, like a spinoff of infamous second son, which is a PS4 launch game. And I finished it. It's it's fine. If you have it for Platinum. free, I mean, I haven't platinumed it yet but i feel like here's the problem though is that the gameplay is good the story isn't very engrossing and i beat it semi quickly and i don't really have a lot of interest in replaying the game but all the trophies that i've left are like these uh how do i say it? it's kind of like uh like a it's like rooms with waves of enemies essentially that you're fighting off and then you have to get scores in these rooms to get the remaining trophies and i feel mm -hmm. like i don't want to do that but I'm so close to the Platinum that I, I don't know if I have to admit to myself that I'm going to keep playing this game for the Platinum instead of playing a game <laughs> I would actually enjoy. I don't know if I'm ready to right. admit this to myself yet, but I feel like I'm, I'm <laughs> going to have to. And this is going to be the unfortunate future that I live. Yeah. I've done I've done those kind of achievements in the uh, Arkham games where you have to be mm. rooms of like bad guys. Oh, I just stopped them. It's so tedious. <laughs> but I was like, I was so close. I was like, I just have to do this so that, so that I get that Platinum. I think I have like three or four maybe five trophies left before i platinum arkham asylum and i just can't do these rooms i feel like i don't like oh, yeah. i don't have the skill in me i don't have the patience in me to do that i just i have to accept that this trophy list is going to stay on like 95 percent for the rest <laughs> of my life they're hard they're hard yeah it's absolutely no bueno something that is quite bueno though is a word from our sponsor Your podcast is in another castle is brought to you by Layered Butter. If you love movies, there's one book that you need on your shelf, and that's Layered Butter. Each issue is a deep dive into famous directors like Quentin Tarantino, genres like modern horror, or even famous characters like James Bond. Insightful essays are paired with breathtaking art inspired by the movies to make for the one book every cinephile needs. Head over to layeredbutter.com store and buy your issue today. And we're back. We have returned. Something else that everyone else needs to know is the brand new news coming out this week. The biggest news story, undoubtedly, is the Steam Deck or the PlayStation Vita 2 PC version, as I like to refer to it and no one else does. So essentially, the Steam Deck... It's been rumored before, it was kind of talked about, it was called the Steam Pal, which I think might even be a better name. I feel like I prefer the Steam Pal. Essentially, it's a portable little PC that you got on the go. Imagine a Switch with a lot more horsepower in it and playing all of your favorite Steam games. 
So it allows you to play pretty much everything that's in your Steam library. It's a little bit bigger than a Switch. It's got a 7-inch touchscreen. It's got two trackpads, uh, which are alongside, or I guess below, the two analog sticks that they got on. Uh, I'd imagine the trackpads you can use sniping people as you would on a, on a PC with your mouse. So you get to do that on your PAL Steam there. Uh, you can also dock it to the Steam Deck. Through, you can play it through your TV if you don't feel like playing in handheld mode. If you are playing in handheld mode, you got about two to eight hours of gameplay, depending on what exactly you are playing. They have announced that there are three different models, and I'm not going to go into details because there's a lot of PC-centric stuff. You can look up these, these specs if you want. I'm just going to be reading off a list and not knowing what I'm saying. Basically, the three models are 399 USD, 529 USD, and 649 USD. Pretty much as soon as they started announcing this and they put in pre-orders, the site to pre-order crashed. And if you <laughs> want, you can go on eBay and buy someone's pre-order for like a thousand bucks if you like. It's already on there. So that's pretty exciting for me, especially because I love I love me the PS Vita and these handhelds. I don't really play a lot of PC games. I don't know if this is going to kind of lure me in and bring me into this. So I want to start with you, Rodrigo. We have discussed off the podcast. You've said that you kind of are interested in getting this. So what are your thoughts on this? And what is it about this that makes you want it so badly? Yeah, I mean, I would acknowledge that I am, I guess, more, I don't want to say casual gamer because I kind of have a, a beef with the idea that like we gamers need to be divided between the people that are like, you know, hardcore and casual. But like my, my point more so is that I'm more inexperienced, inexperienced in in buying some of these things. And so I was like, this seems cool. I really want to do it. But by the time I had said that, I didn't know that you were supposed to already have pre-ordered it and like this whole thing. So I guess let me clarify that I wanted to pre-order this, but I did not. And so I probably will not get it. Um, the reason why I wanted to is because I don't have a great computer, but I really enjoy like Steam games. A lot of the games that I enjoy playing on my Switch are indie games that are available on Steam. It's just like it, the I, I enjoy the portable nature of having the, the Switch to be able to take it wherever I want. If I'm traveling, if I'm commuting, I'm able to go with it. And so I love the idea of being able to do that on almost like higher level games, you know, perhaps a better uh, internet connection than what is able to be provided on my Nintendo Switch. And so on, like, I don't see a lot of negatives here. Like, I know that the price point is very steep. It's close to about like $1,000, I think, if you want to get like the higher end ones that uh, come with, I guess, a reasonable amount of memory. You know, like the the base level is has, I think, like 56 or something, which is probably like you could maybe get part of Skyrim into this before, you know, you need to, to transfer over into your SD card. And so I like I view it as an expensive console, but also as a reasonably priced uh, game, uh, almost a game portable gaming computer, right? And so that's really what I would like to use it, use it for. I did see a couple of things that were interesting to me. Uh, it it runs on, I believe, what they call a Steam OS, which is like a Linux based uh, operating system that they manipulated. But they said that, for example, if you wanted to wipe that and just run Windows on your Steam Deck, that you could actually go ahead and do that. And so I'm very curious to see what once this this console comes out. The amount of exploration that will happen with its capabilities, I'm sure there's going to be people that manipulate it in all kinds of ways and will let us know where its failings are. So I wasn't able to pre-order it. Uh, I'm not fully regretting it right now because I think while this is exciting, there is a lot of uh, potential for there to be some 
some some weaknesses here and i think it won't be bad to wait for maybe like a second gen or a second iteration of this to to make sure that those kinks are kind of worked out yeah i feel like you're in the best place for someone who wants one of these is where you're not stuck in pre-ordering it although mind you the pre-order was like you had to put down five dollars to be in the pre-order list essentially so i mean you wouldn't have been out too much Mm -hmm. but i think it's a good place to be excited for it but also weary and you kind of want to wait especially when i remember was it maybe five i don't know what time means anymore i imagine four to five years ago they also had like the steam consoles that they were bringing out so i i don't know Mm -hmm. if that makes anyone kind of weary about them looking into hardware but it seems cool to me diego the steam deck uh rodrigo is buying it as soon as they let him take his pre-order they won't let him take any pre-orders are you interested in getting this and if not what would they need to put into this to make you want to buy one um i I don't think I'm going to be getting one anytime soon because I, I do have a gaming like a uh, computer, which is, you know, it serves its purpose. So I don't need anything additional on top of that. But I got to say that like the console is already looking good. It looks like it's off to a good start. Uh, there seems to be a lot of hype around it. My first impression of it when I looked at it, I thought it was like an oversized switch. Still not the size of a Sega Game Gear, though. We'll get there one day. <laughs> we'll get there one day uh, after hearing the specs and the price. I got to say, it sounds like a really good deal to me. Um, I saw a comment about uh, from, sorry, I saw a comment from an IGN reporter saying that the console has the capability of running modern games at incredible, incredibly respectable settings, which sounds like mm-hmm. a heavy dig at a certain Japanese console. Um, it, it does seem a bit coincidental, the timing on uh, this console coming out especially since there was rumors about a Switch Pro coming out. And we all know that that ended up just being a redesign of the Switch. And I guess Valve decided we will give the people that Switch Pro that they were expecting. Uh, since the console works at the same, uh, as the same as a Switch, both handheld as, and as a gaming PC, $400 for a base model uh, does not sound like a bad deal at all. If you don't own a gaming PC and you want to join the Steam family, this is probably going to be your best option. Uh, the, the one thing I did notice, though, on the console when I was looking at it, the layout of the buttons and the joystick seems a bit odd. But Valve has said that even the hardware is not final at this point, even though the console is supposed to be launching, I think, by the end of this year. Yeah, maybe we should finalize um, that quickly while people are pre Yeah, they should get to that quickly, I think. Uh, of course, uh, if uh, you don't have to play with, like, the, with the console itself. You can have like your own controller in the same way that you would do with a PC. Right. And I also heard that the one cool thing about this is that uh, it has access to the cloud save. So anything that you're playing on your PC on the Steam account and it saves to the cloud, you can just jump back on onto your game by just grabbing your Steam Deck and continue to play on the go. So that sounds like a feature that I, I really enjoy. And, and, you know, might kind of convince me to buy this thing. But Valve is, is you know, just stressing the fact that they that people should consider this to be more a portable PC as opposed to a console, right? And they, they gave the same example Rodrigo did. It, it basically, basically runs on that Steam OS that's specifically, specifically designed for the deck. But you can, you can like format the console and install Windows 10 if you wanted to. If you do like that, you can also connect uh, the uh, keyboard and a mouse and just use it like a regular PC, which is pretty cool. Which because there's a lot of PC games that obviously you need to play with those peripherals like Age of Empires and Civilizations. So I'll keep my eye on this console. I think uh, I think it's going to do well. And 
since I have this massive Steam collection, I think at some point I might end up picking up the, the console. I think picking up eventually. Well, I guess like Rodrigo, cautiously optimistic. We'll see how it goes before we dive in to grab it. I'm glad you brought up the Switch as well, because I feel like that's kind of where the big comparison point is. Uh, for mm-hmm. me, I'm not sure if it's good. If this is going to be good for the Steam the Steam Deck, I keep wanting to call it a Steam console or something else, but it's the Steam Deck. I feel like we should have stuck with Steam Pal. I preferred that. So from now on, I'm just going to call it the Steam Pal for the rest of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so for this Pal, I'm wondering if the Switch audience is different enough from this that they won't be significant crossover or if maybe one will kind of if like, for instance, if the Steam Deck is so much more powerful than the Switch, if people want to migrate over to that or if the price point is kind of an annoyance to the average gamer who would want to just play games on the go if they would just kind of stick with their switch so i guess rodrigo as a switch player you already got your switch your your steam deck pre-order is in the queue do you feel like the switch hinders the steam deck at all the vice versa or if they're two different audiences that don't kind of oversect that much i think they are mostly two different audience like i think there is a desire to compare the two consoles or portable computers or whatever they may be but that just comes from like the gaming audience that loves the idea of a console war at all times, right? Like they love comparing Sony to Xbox to Nintendo. I think uh, the Nintendo Switch, it has a price point, even this new one of like $350. And like we said, the the base version is about $400 for the, the Steam Deck. But really, like I think most people are going to be looking at the top two models because on top of, uh, of they have like additional features, they have a, a different... Um, like some of the internal components are a bit different once you start going up. And so I think that's kind of where they're going to be. And now we're talking about like, say, like a $600, $700 thing, right? So I think that it isn't really the same audience. I don't think that you're going to get like seven, eight, nine-year-olds telling their parents that they really want like a Steam Deck for Christmas. I think that that's just not going to happen. It's probably going to be appealing for people that are more, uh, I guess, computer game players or like uh maybe sony or something like competing with that kind of segmentation that want to play like the latest generation or latest version of the video games and not necessarily somebody that's looking for like the the i mean who buys a nintendo console people that want to play the nintendo first party games and that's not going to be available on steam so i don't think that there is that much overlap i don't think nintendo has too much to be worried here I think their bigger concern should be that people don't see enough difference in the Nintendo Switch OLED model and then their regular Nintendo Switch. So I think like that is a bigger loss for them than the idea that the Steam Deck is also coming out. Like I think the people that are going to buy a Steam Deck were not looking into buying a Nintendo Switch at this point anyway. I think that's fair. I think it's it's kind of the high powered Switch. It's it does feel like it's for different audiences. For me personally, I I love my PlayStation Vita. I would like another one. But I feel like this also this might be like kind of a middle ground with PlayStation putting all their games on the PC anyway. I might even have to get it just for that. So, Dio, I want to ask you as well. Do you think this competes with the Switch or if they're two different enough markets that there's not going to be too much one way or the other? I mean, it's definitely it's like going to compete in the sense that it's definitely taking like the consumer's money from one side. Right. That could still be going towards the Switch. But like Rodrigo said, it's a very different market. It's you're not typically going to see like kids or people are just big fans of Nintendo buying this Steam Deck. But you will see a lot of people that have a Steam account, kind of like me, probably trying to get their hands on this console because it's just that convenience, right? It's we all love the Switch so much. And just to think that we can have our, our Steam library on a console like this, it's, you know, it's like a really good idea. 
like as I said before, I'll see how it performs. Uh, I'll I'll see the reviews first, and who knows, I might end up getting it as well. See, for me, I bought this PC that I'm currently recording on partially to record this podcast because my old PC was just it, it was it was barely running anything at that point. Even Chrome was a stretch. So I downloaded <laughs> Steam on it because I was like, maybe I'll start playing some of these games on here. I downloaded Doki Doki Literature Club at a recommendation of a hopeful friend of the podcast, Franco. I don't even know if he listens. We'll see. And <laughs> also, I put in my wish list a little game that I forgot about that I wanted to play that Diego reminded me of before. So Knights of the Old Republic is in my wish list. So it's currently $11, which I feel like is a very reasonable ask. I feel like I'm going to wait for it to be like a dollar and take advantage of all these Steam sales that everyone's freaking out about. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take these Knights of the Old Republic. I'm going to take them on the run with me. Uh, For me, though, for the Steam Deck, I feel like the big thing, I don't know if this even makes any sense, if it would even work. But if they somehow got Game Pass on that thing, I don't know what kind of a deal they have to cut with Xbox to make that happen. But I feel like uh, a monthly subscription to Game Pass on the run would be kind of a killer thing that you can get for this system. Oh, for sure. I'm interested. Uh, we'll wait and see how it goes. Hopefully people are able to get their pre-orders. We'll see. It seems cool. On to another streaming service similar to Game Pass. Netflix is reportedly looking to add games to its service sometime within the next year. So they've added Mike Verdu as their president of game development. He was formerly at EA and Oculus. Oculus is also uh, was made Facebook and kind of one of the craziest things about this story is that they don't plan on charging any extra for games on the service. It's just going to be kind of added in. Uh, we'll see if this gets too expensive because I'd imagine it's going to got to go up in some prices. They're adding all these games. So it seems I want to say crazy, but expected almost. Uh, I don't know how this is going to work when some people can barely stream movies uh maybe they'll just have people download these games directly to whatever they're watching them from directly on netflix so i guess diego tell me this netflix streaming service is this something that's interesting to you is this something you'd be playing your games on netflix how's this going to work for you are you interested in this i can't say that i'm like really interested in it right now because like we're just hearing about this this news but it's something that I'll definitely follow. Uh, I think Netflix is another one of those big names that's throwing their hat into the ring. The video game wars is clearly no longer about consoles. It seems to be taking a shift forward uh, towards streaming and content offered. And Netflix is uh, probably the best established movie and TV producer streaming platform of all the platforms out there. Uh, as a matter of fact, I it, they feel like they do it so well that it seems rare for for me to see a Netflix like Netflix ever stall or slow down in streaming rate. I don't know what magical coding these people have done, but like the movie and TV streaming on their platform seems seamless. Now, if they're able to do that with video games, I would be impressed. Profits of video games have just completely decimated all other entertainment industries. And since Netflix is a media company, it sees itself in competition, not just with Amazon Prime Video or Disney Plus, but with anyone that will sell you entertainment. So this seems like the next uh, logical step for the company. Uh, it's, it is kind of exciting to see that Netflix was going to start producing games since they're a company that's heavily driven by their data. The way they decide to make shows or relaunch old shows is by the information that they gather from actual viewership. So anything that has a strong following, they will keep producing or produce new things similar to. Uh, It's definitely been a new trend in producing movies and TV shows that has worked for them. 
But now we are, we're going to see them probably apply that same idea to video games. So in, in the past, the industry was guided mostly by the experience of gaming designers, by what many thought would be uh, creative or innovative ideas. That part is going to change more. And now that uh, companies use data, they're going to probably start analyzing what sells best. So companies like Microsoft are already doing that based on their users uh, downloading Game Pass. Uh, a company like Steam is probably the one that has the most information since they've been successfully running their PC platform for years now. Uh, and even Amazon has a lot of information on video games already because they own the platform Twitch, right? So they also get to see what game has the highest viewership. Netflix uh, already has a wealth of information as far as movies and TV, but they don't have that information on video games. So it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for them. But uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they do with this model, right? They've definitely been looking at Xbox's Game Pass, the success that they've been having. And they feel they can probably copy that model as well. So we'll see. Well, I hope it works. And I hope they don't raise the price of uh, the monthly Netflix subscription too much. Yeah, I, I'd imagine that's definitely going to be something that increases. Microsoft is able to uh, go through their, their trillion dollar company and kind of subsidize Game Pass with that. I don't know if Netflix has the same kind of juice to be able to do that, but I guess we'll see. Uh, Rodrigo, for you, does this... This Netflix news, does it seem like this might be the future of gaming and where it's going? I, I, I'm not... Hopeful, I guess that's the case, but I feel like it, I might have to get off uh, of my old horse and get on with the, the bandwagon with these new kids and their streamings. Do you think this is kind of where video game is going? Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's hard to divorce this news from the reality or the history of what came before, right? Like Netflix started out like a, a blockbuster type um type of store and because like Dio was saying they had all this data they were able to to pivot and transition into like digital streaming uh, of movies and they were able to do so at a time where there was really no other competitors for them to to be against right uh the reality today is much different the, a lot of this news came from uh, a call for for some of the like the stockholders and so on and what they were talking about was that they were planning on exceeding their uh, subscribers for the second quarter, or they had they had exceeded the subscribers for the second quarter of this year. But the, their goal was about like one million, I think, and, and they had done one point five million. And for uh, Q three, they were aiming to do it originally about like say five million new subscribers, and now they've brought it down to three point five million. And a lot of that is because we do have other. Uh, streaming platforms like Disney Plus that are having having a really strong thing. But the thing is that they are coming in at a point where Netflix has already lapped them, right? Like they've taken so much advantage that they have such a, a much bigger base. And so as uh, other streamers start coming in and start trying to bite at that base, Netflix needs to be looking at new places where they're able to grow. And I think that's kind of where the news of this game comes in. And it's like, I don't know necessarily that they are trying to... Uh, enter the fray and fight Game Pass and so on, at least not at this moment. But they are trying to offer like a higher proposition value for the the items that they currently offer their clients, right? Which is streaming of their own IPs. And what they want, what they had mentioned or what they had described originally is that a lot of these games are going to be like mobile games that are free to play, no additional cost for the user that already has subscribed to the Netflix uh, service and will just be able to continue on their experience on mobile, right? And so... I think it's an interesting uh, proposition. Like I would, I, I, I'm curious to see how how many more people that would bring onto their platform that are not already there. 
but uh, Netflix is has really good algorithms, has a lot of information about their users. Maybe being able to just dip a couple of toes into the water is enough for them to get to gain what they need to make a better and stronger entry into the video game world, right? So, I mean, I would never uh, count Netflix out of the fight, but I don't think that it's like if if you're if you see this news in your immediate immediate sense is that. Netflix is trying to be like the fourth in the Nintendo versus Xbox versus PlayStation. I don't think that's the case at all. I definitely agree with that. It does seem like it's a different kind of market share they're going for. For me personally, it seems it seems less to me like they're trying to get gamers into Netflix. And I feel like this is more going to have the opposite reaction where people who have Netflix anyway, they go and they see, oh, I guess there's a few games. Maybe I'll see you and try them out. I feel like Netflix putting games kind of gets casual uh, I guess we don't we don't like the term casual gamer on here, but I am going to use it. It's, it takes the casuals mm-hmm. and some people who probably aren't even super into video games anyway. They're just on watching mm-hmm. their Bridgerton and they're like, oh, maybe I'll check out uh, this mobile game of uh, Stranger Things. So I'd imagine they're going to throw all of their IP into these mobile games anyway. So it's it's for me, it's really interesting to see where this is going to head. I feel like this is actually going to be better for gaming than it is going to be for Netflix. So I think it's going to get a lot more people interested in it. So uh, we'll see how it goes. There was also kind of like an interesting second part to this news. And there was like a data miner that was looking at the data that was inside the Netflix app um, for, I think, Apple, like the Apple iOS. And they found some like PlayStation assets and I think even uh, some some images from, I want to say like Ghost of Tsushima or something like this, like one of these kind of uh triple a games and so i guess nobody knows what that means exactly it could mean absolutely nothing but it was just curious that it was there uh netflix also does have already some prior relationships with sony they are the the streaming platform that gets the sony pictures uh shortly after they leave theaters right so i think uh netflix is aggressive and innovative with what they do and their kind of first move is not like big gaming, but who knows what move two, three, four, and five will be, right? Like, I'm very, very curious about what this all. So you're saying I'm going to be able to stream Uncharted 4 soon on Netflix? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're probably going to make you the Uncharted of your dreams, the one that doesn't have uh, Tom Holland, the uh, baby, Nathan Drake. Mm-hmm. Joke's on you, Drew. They already made four games where I was the Uncharted of my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be able to stream it on your Steam Deck imagine oh that God. can you imagine i'm i'm playing a playstation game stream through netflix on my steam deck beautiful the future beautiful. is here the future and i'm scared and i don't yeah. think i like it uh, <laughs> the future of soccer or i guess football as some people might refer to it is also here is it on the horizon we'll see so fifa is the absolutely dominating force in uh, i guess virtual soccer football and Pro Evolution Soccer is a franchise that's made by Konami. It's been kind of lagging the last few years, especially with the popularity of FIFA Ultimate Team. The Pro Evolution Soccer decided it needed a big change, and that change was to rebrand entirely. They are now known as eFootball, which might be a term that's confusing for some North American people who go on to see eFootball and they see like Lionel Messi up there. But <laughs> essentially, what's going to be happening now is eFootball is going to be a digital-only free-to-play game. So what's going to be happening, it's going to be cross-playing with all other consoles as well. And it's going to launch with the exhibition matches, essentially, as pretty much the only mode you're going to have. And then it's going to be nine different clubs that you're going to get to play as. So they have different modes built into their game. 
Uh, I don't remember the exact names of them. I'm just going to use the FIFA equivalent. So they have an equivalent of manager mode where you can manage a club. They have a mode uh, as similar to Ultimate Team where you can kind of build your preferred team as well. So those are modes essentially that are going to be added into the game, but they're going to be at an extra cost. So eFootball, free to play. Is it going to be the big FIFA killer? We'll see. Diego, this change for you. I know you're a FIFA fan as well as I am. I'm not sure if free-to-play Pro Evolution Soccer or eFootball is what's going to take me away from FIFA, but is this something that makes you a little bit more intrigued to check out the competition, I guess? Yeah, I feel more intrigued by the fact that um, it's not just the rebranding, but I guess the the rebranding kind of means that um, it's kind of, sorry, signifying the fact that they've ported their game engine from the, I think it's the Fox engine that they use at Konami. They ported it to uh, the Unreal engine. So it from what they're saying, it's that the, the gameplay is very different from what it was before. I mean, the game that they're offering you and saying free to play is basically the trial mode of any other PES game that they would have offered before. So I, I don't see how it's any different than what they were offering before. Basically a big I, demo. I, yeah, it's like a big demo, essentially. Right. I mean, if they if they do keep adding on to that without you having to pay, because it seems like for for the features that they're going to add on the like the manager mode, like you said, if you have to pay for that, that's kind of like you're as it just kind of just emphasizes the idea that the the game that you're playing currently is a trial mode and the game that you have to like purchase would be the full game. Right. But I, I am interested in playing it. I do uh, kind of have a curiosity about how this game plays with the new engine. Uh, the developers are saying that it's important to them to make this this soccer game like as fair as possible for everybody which implies that, you know, kind of like it's not going to be unbalanced if you buy more loot boxes than like the other player, which is kind of my big issue with FIFA, right? I feel like anybody that wants to play that game in a professional level, you have to spend some money in order to do it. But this game, they're saying that's not the case. So uh, as I said, I'll give it a try just to see how the gameplay goes. Um, and, and I mean, it's free, so why, why not give it a try, right? Uh, on the other hand, like FIFA, I've been, I pay like full price for that game every year. And to be honest, nothing has really changed that much, even though they are saying that they're making like a few changes for like FIFA this year. It never really changes that much. Uh, so I, I think I'll definitely give um, this new eFootball a chance. Yeah, for sure. I f- so I feel like bigger game makers like 2K and EA, they have these annualized games that come out every year. And suckers like us, we just buy it every year. So I don't think it's mm-hmm. ever something that's going to sway them to change their mind. It's definitely something Konami, I feel, had to do because people FIFA was gobbling up so much of this market that they were, it was almost the only move that they had left. So I, I don't know if maybe this kind of opens the door for some other developers who feel like maybe they can move in and make free-to-play versions of uh, the NFL or free-to-play versions of MLB games. Uh, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if maybe that's something we could be seeing in the future with this. Rodrigo, do you see some of these uh, maybe smaller game developers making these games free to play? Or do you think maybe uh, this game is going to be such a success behind the scenes with its free to play model that maybe FIFA, maybe MLB, maybe all these sports games makers, they feel like maybe free to play is the way to go for the future? I mean, the thing about like something like FIFA is that it is made by an evil company. So I doubt that they will ever uh, sacrifice those 60 bucks to get you in. And they also are playing from an advantageous hand, right? Like PS is is the underdog in this story or I guess eFootball. Um, I think what they're doing is smart. I, 
I give them a lot of credit for really trying to shake up this kind of stagnant position that they were in, where they it seemed like with every uh, passing iteration uh, of the soccer games, they were losing more and more ground, right? Like I think we mentioned it in a previous podcast in South America before the the big game to play was always winning eleven. Like it wasn't FIFA, but I think with like fast forward ten years and, and the the tables have turned for for this company. So. The idea that even though they are essentially offering a demo, but pretend like, you know, marketing it as a free to play game like you people that are listening about are are fans of football that are fans of the Unreal Engine or in general, just like fans of PS in the past. They have no barrier to give this a try and see if it lives up to their expectation. I think that they are building up a lot of momentum, a lot of hype for their for their future. It's going to be very dependent on what they are able to deliver, right? And I know we had had this conversation in the past too, but I think they probably know better than any one of us like what uh, what players are looking for. And maybe it is a lot of the time it is like the the official licenses of the teams and the players. And so maybe that will also be a component that they will have to look at when they go to launch if they have enough there to be able to entice some players to go from from FIFA to this. But I think they're off to a really good start. I am uh, really excited to see what else they would want to do. And I also recognize that their timing is really good. Like we're off the the ending of the, the Copa America, the Euro Cup, like we're months away from a, a World Cup in, in Qatar. So this, there's a lot of football conversation happening. So I think that uh, props to their communication people for marketing this uh, as something that sounds free, even though it's essentially a demo. And props in general to, again, their comms team for the timing of this press release and, and announcement. Because I think, you know, if you're going to build momentum, momentum and hype, this is the way to do it. I definitely feel like they they timed it to perfection, and while it might be their only move left with this series, it was definitely a great move. I feel like this might be where it was kind of going anyway. I am kind of glad that they decided to just, you know, rip off the Band-Aid, decide, you know what, we can't compete with FIFA. Let's do this. Let's see what we can bring in for this. Uh, For me personally, I think this might not be enough to grab the current generation of gamers, but I feel like younger fans of gaming and younger fans of uh, football uh it brings them in because i feel like they don't have to bug mom and dad to buy them the new fifa every year uh they're on their console they want to play soccer and they see oh i guess i could try out e-football and then maybe this brings them in and brings in a whole new generation of kids who grew up playing this because it was free and are now playing it because it's just their preferred version of electronic soccer so i it definitely seems like a great move and it's also it's also going to be uh cross-platform right they announced that it's going to be cross platform for like ps4 ps5 xbox series x series s and they also announced um like android phones i believe it is which Uh is pretty crazy that it's going to be cross-platform between consoles and phones because typically visually it's not the same game but they are saying that the engine itself is going to run so well that it's going to look like a, a good like you know a high graphic high fidelity graphic game on consoles like the PlayStation 5 and just lower resolution, but still the same game essentially on an Android phone. Yeah. And I think like what we were saying is maybe not so much in Canada and the US, but in a lot of countries around the world, like football is a big passion of entire generations, right? Like I can 
speak from my growing up in Peru, like I was the sole person that had maybe a five out of ten level interest in 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 football, and the every like ninety nine percent of all the other like kids in my class, they were like at a ten out of ten level of interest, right? So if you are offering them all the possibility to download this on their phone or on their computer or whatever they may have and be able to compete against each other, like you're getting a big installation base there already, right? Like people that are are going to adhere to that. And like, I know you're saying that it won't be enough to switch over uh, fans from FIFA to winning 11. But like I said, in my lifetime, I've seen people switch over from winning winning 11 to to FIFA. And that was just off the strength, I think, of licensing really uh, was probably one of the main things to do. And probably like a better engine and better gameplay that has developed since. So I would say like, I, I think this is the most exciting thing that winning 11 has been able to do since they kind of lost their their top position in some of these other markets uh i think it's promising i i'm like i'm not the biggest football fan and i probably wouldn't have picked up uh winning 11 before and i probably wouldn't have picked up fifa anyway but it's just like it, it seems like a bold big move and if i was ea i would be more nervous now than i was before right like before i think i, I probably felt like it was in the bag for a while and now i would say that there is a a lot of risk happening around uh, how strong their their soccer or football game may be i think i'm most interested to see if fifa ends up having to take anything from e-football from this like maybe they'll have to start instituting crossplay and a lot more of a free-to-play models because they see the success of this so i'm um, we'll see it's very exciting we'll see if maybe they're yeah. winning 11 again yeah Mon- monop- <laughs> Actually- monopolies Monopolies benefit companies and competition benefits users. So the stronger that Winning Eleven can be, the better for the people that want to play the game. That game is still called Winning Eleven, by the way. I just found out today that it's called Winning Eleven in Japan. It was changed. Well, it was, I guess it was changed here to Pro Evolution Soccer at some point, but it's still Mm -hmm. called Winning Eleven in Japan. I guess not anymore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just as you found out it was still called Winning Eleven, it was no longer called Winning Eleven. Well, those are all the big news we have for you this week. We have uh, some smaller, quick bites for you. A little note on The Last of Us TV show. So the voice actor Tommy in that game is actually going to be in the TV show, and he is going to voice, or he's going to act as a character who is not Tommy at all. I it makes it's a very odd choice to bring in a character from there. Interesting. He's gonna he's gonna play Ellie. (laughs) <laughs> voice acting and regular acting are not necessarily the same skill and i don't know that you would want to assume that they're transferable skills no that's fair i just it just seems odd to me when they bring uh, a character from one medium and bring him to the other medium but then have him play someone else or i guess uh, an actor another character rather. uh next up is the I comp- think it's an easter egg oh is it just an easter egg mm. that'd be disappointing uh, that's probably what they're going for like a cameo easter egg thing mm-hmm. no we'll see I hope that the cameo Easter egg is that he is actually Tommy in the end. And it's they just pulled one over. <laughs> uh, the company Elgato announced a new stream deck the same day as Steam Deck. So leading to absolutely <laughs> nobody clicking on it. Although, to be fair, I didn't I had no idea Elgato was announcing a stream deck. And because they announced it on the same day, 
I clicked on it because I was interested in the story. So I guess in some way it did actually work. <laughs> and I will give you one more. When I was Googling the Steam Deck to find out some info and, you know, be, have given formed opinions, I accidentally typed Stream Deck and went to the Elgato page. So I don't know who's winning this confusion game. Exactly. <laughs> this, ac- this accident has gained them a lot of publicity. <laughs> exactly. Well done. Well done, they're Elgato. One, they're one step ahead by being one step behind. Uh, new PlayStation documents reveal that there may be a new PS5 model coming soon, and it's going to be 0.7 pounds lighter. Also, oh this one will not be available for sale either. You won't be able to get this one either. <laughs> yep. Tech conglomerate, which is a word I'm very good at saying, Tencent, is buying Sumo Digital, who are the makers of Sackboy A Big Adventure and Team Sonic Racing. They're buying this company for $1.3 billion. So this company was previously in the news because they were attempting to take over Take-Two by essentially buying up the majority of shares. Uh, looks like they're just going to buy a company that makes much less known games. We'll see how it goes for them. As a comparison, Insomniac was bought by Sony for $229 million. So about wow. a little less than a cool billion less. Or a little more than a cool billion, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chump change. Exactly, as we like to call it in the business. Uh, Ukrainian police have seized thousands of PlayStation 4s, which were used to farm FIFA Ultimate Team coins. They're now <laughs> going to use them to farm eFootball coins, I do believe. That part was left nice, out of the story. Nice. <laughs> but the most important quick bite for today, everyone, the PlayStation Vita has received its last ever new games. No more new games on the PlayStation Vita. I would like us all to bow our heads in a full minute of silence. Diego, please edit a minute of silence into here. Uh, this podcast is going too long. We don't have time to actually have a minute of silence. <laughs> Perfect. And those were all the news for this week. Before we get into some hot and fresh games, maybe a remaster, let's hear a little word from our Bueno sponsors. Your podcast is in another castle is possible thanks to the support of our good friends at Ola Translation. The Hispanic Ontario Language Agency, or Ola, is a translation agency based in Ontario, founded by four Hispanic Canadians who want nothing else but to help people around the world to communicate in their favorite language, Spanish. Head over to olatranslation.org and use code CASTLE for an exclusive discount only available to our listener. Say goodbye to Google Translate and say hola to Ola Translation. And we're back. Welcome back. Thanks to me for using Bueno twice and it actually working the second time and not the first. <laughs> Next up, we got the Hot and Fresh Games. Hot and Fresh Games brought to you this week by Orville Renbacher. Orville Renbacher. I don't really know how to say that last guy's name. <laughs> So the hot and fresh games this week, I'm going to start this week because there are some games that are near and dear to my heart that I feel need to be played. They are Russian Subway Dogs and nice. Ultra Mission. Now, Russian Subway Dogs is an arcade game inspired by stray dogs in the Moscow Metro. It basically play as various dogs going through the metro system. You collect treats as power ups. And Ultra Mission is essentially like a top down shooter. Uh, it's got an infinite game loop and over 20 levels. Now, am I actually going to play these games? Debatable. But these are the last two games that you're ever going to play on the Vita. No games will come out after these. So I suggest everyone go deep, deep, deep into your closet. Find the Vita that is likely not there. 
Take off layers of dust, plug it in, and purchase Russian Subway Dogs and Ultra Mission. Support your PlayStation Vita while it dies. <laughs> so those those are the hot and fresh games for me this week. It deserved better. You know what? I yeah. I have a game to suggest. Slash. I mean, maybe I'm stealing this from Diego, but Pokemon Unite came out apparently uh, on the Switch. And uh, I saw my brother downloading it, so uh, I think I'm going to give it a download too. Diego, did you give this a, a try yet? Like, have you played this game? I did. I tried the the uh, training mode for the game. Uh, I downloaded it because I saw that it was free, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I haven't really played MOBA games before, but I think I'm going to give this one a try as it seems a bit less complicated visually than League of Legends or Dota. Yeah. But uh, it's, you know, it's just a 5v5 scenario where you earn points by literally dunking on your opponents. As there's, there's like an actual ball and a hoop. But you also have to battle like other Pokemon while you do it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good game to probably introduce a lot of people into that MOBA genre. And mm-hmm. since it's free, you know, you have no excuse to download it. Download it yeah. and play it. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to check it out. I thought you were being uh, like metaphorical when you're saying you have to dunk on your opponents, but I guess you literally have to dunk in this game. Yeah, it's like a hoop and like a ball you have, <laughs> and most of the Pokemon just do this dunking motion. That's nice. That's very awesome. I think you can play with Charizard, which is always an absolute win. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, literally in my head, I was picturing a Pokemon dunking, and it was Charizard with his, his little claw hand. He's got with the wings, so he arms. gets up high. I mean, with the wings, he gets up real high. He's got the hops. I'd imagine. I guess it just got- drops it. Exactly. Charizard <laughs> is everyone's favorite. Everybody picks Charizard. Like even I played Charizard today when they had me pick from like the, the different Pokemons that are available. I was like, well, why not Charizard? And even if you look at the the stats on like the character, he seems like the the easy character to pick up, the one that everybody wants to begin with. So they probably do that on purpose, right? I always try and not pick Charmander whenever I replay Pokemon red or blue, but I never make it. It's always him. It, it seems to me like, I, I mean, mind you, I was saying earlier how we should not have the distinct uh, distinction between casual gamer and hardcore gamer. But it seems to me that, you know, the Charmander family of Pokemon is like the, the casual Pokemon family. Yeah, we're basic bitches. That's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can the, say the, it. Hash, <laughs> the hashtag basic bitch. But no, I mean, here's the thing. It's popular for a reason, right? But I do think like, I'm really excited to see what other Pokemon uh, choices there are. I think I will probably not go with uh, the Charizard family. Understandable. So these are the games that you can get this week. Uh, but we have some ideas about some games that maybe we can't get this week. Maybe some games that we want in the future. It brings us to our sub and remaster segment. This is where one of us on the podcast will bring up a game that they previously enjoyed and wish would be remastered. The other two of us, we have a very important job. We are to decide whether this game is to be subbed or taken off. If you're familiar with eFootball, you know how players get subbed off. They get taken off, or if we should put the full might behind it and remaster it. Today's sub and remaster is brought to you by Diego. Diego, what game are we looking to remaster this week? So, for my game remaster this week, I've chosen a Nintendo franchise, of course. Uh... But a franchise that I'm not as familiar with or is as dear to me as other Nintendo franchises, that franchise is Pokemon. Now, before Rodrigo starts giving me the cut eye for trying to venture into his territory, I would just like to say that even though I'm not the biggest Pokemon fan in this household, I'm still a fan of Pokemon. I've enjoyed 
countless hours of Pokemon Blue Yellow back in the day when I played it on the Pokemon Coliseum emulator on the N64. And when the Pokemon craze began, I too was obsessed with catching them all and catching them and training them, perhaps obsessively training them, as it was later pointed out to be by Rodrigo. But regardless, I did enjoy playing the, a good game of Pokemon. Uh, the one Pokemon game, however, that truly captivated me wasn't a traditional Pokemon game at all. It was the Pokemon trading card game. Hell yes, Diego. <laughs> already, already remastered, yep. but continue. <laughs> I mean, the segment's over, but please continue. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let, let me just continue on, I guess, for uh, the sake of it. So for those of you old enough to remember the Pokemon trading card game, it was a game for the Game Boy, which was also designed in the same RPG style of the original Pokemon games. But instead of Pokemon battles, you would have to face your opponent in a card game. A card game that is well established nowadays. It's established itself well enough to draw comparisons to other big names like Magic the Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh! And I think it's time that we return to this game. And today I bring to you my remaster proposal. First, let's talk about consoles. Obviously, a game like this would have to be on Nintendo's current flagship console, the Switch, but also would benefit greatly from being on mobile. At first, I thought maybe these consoles wouldn't be powerful enough to run such a game, but since I've seen the launch of, Magic, of the Magic game on mobile and the rise of cloud version gaming, the objections I once had are no longer going to be an issue. The best approach to the relaunch, I think, uh, is basically following what Magic the Gathering Arena has been doing, basically following that model. So uh, that game is free to play, and the game, you make it, the game basically makes money by selling loot boxes, uh, I, or I mean booster packs, sorry, force a habit. Hmm. Um, so the free to play uh, don't model... Worry, we'll market them as loot boxes, it's fine. <laughs> of course, right, because uh, I think uh, EA is partly funding this. So uh, the free-to-play model works well because it would be the best way to get people to give this a try. And honestly, all you need is to give this uh, trading card game uh, just a chance and you'll be hooked. Uh, of course, we're going to revamp the graphics to make it fit with a more modern look of, of video games nowadays. And we're, we're obviously going to add animations for all the Pokemon moves. Uh, we can provide a small story mode more reminiscent of the Game Boy game itself that would focus on guiding the player through eight different gyms where the player can both learn the in and outs of the game and also earn Pokemon decks. I think eight decks total to start off would be awesome. Each of them could be themed after a gym leader like uh, Misty's Water Pokemon, Brock's Rock Pokemon, or Lieutenant Surge's Lightning deck. Yeah. Um, that, of course, would just be the single-player aspect of the game the real meat and potatoes would be the online multiplayer. Mm -hmm. um, Magic has shown us that there is definitely a market for this game to be played online, especially yeah. after the pandemic. I think people are more okay with playing tournaments online or even casual drafts. And since the game itself guides you through the outcome of the cards you play, the, the entry level for these games have been significantly lowered. Of course, the money would mostly be made by booster packs sold to play tournaments and by selling customization items for your character, maybe uh, having something like Ash's hat or even a luchador outfit for your pet Pikachu. Uh, on top of that, well, we, can, we can do cross promotions with other games like Pokemon Go, where maybe you can catch Pokemon and some of them might, be, might have Pokemon cards uh, that they're holding or tokens that 
can be purchased to use the purchase booster packs. Um, overall, I think the Pokemon trading card games would greatly benefit from getting an upgrade to digital, especially since there has been such an obsession from collectors to get these physical cards all of a sudden. A digital version of the game would allow more kids to be able to play it without having the expense uh, having to the expense to their parents of buying them the physical cards, which can turn out to be an expensive hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's my pitch, boys. I'm looking for 1.5 million U.S. to begin manufacturing. I'm Not offering offering 45 equity stake on my idea. And uh, it, I just have to remind you, it has to be equity stake based on my idea, because, of course, uh, I don't own Pokemon and Nintendo's probably going to want a big share of that. A very large share, I'd imagine. I, w- I was in for just the existence of the game. I didn't do <laughs> equity. I feel like the, the pitch kept getting, like, I, I kept running out of money as the pitch was going on. Because you're like, oh, I'm going to bring a Pokemon game. I was like, yeah, I guess I'll play Pokemon Red and yeah. Blue again. It's like, oh, the trading card game. I was like, oh, I'll play that game again. Luchador yeah, Pikachu, the booster packs, everything. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, can't, I can't be any more into this pitch if I would like to. <laughs> awesome. I think Jordan's on board. How about you, Rodrigo? <laughs> oh, I'm definitely on board. I, I think like as soon as it was Pokemon, there was no no wrong answer to this. I even love that weird Pokemon slash Samurai kind of XCOM game that they have. Uh, I can't even remember what that one's called. Pokemon Conquest, yeah. maybe that oh, that one's sick that too. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, yeah, there was there was no uh, there was no wrong answer here. Uh, actually, for part of it, as I was already convinced, I was thinking, how many Pokemon can I say in in order of like their number in the Pokedex for? I don't know which one's next. And I got to 36, so I impressed myself uh, <laughs> there. Um, no, you know, like, I love the Pokemon trading card game. I love the Magic the Gathering one. I also saw that they recently released a Yu-Gi-Oh! one uh, where you can play basically Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, the Magic the Gathering one, the arena. And so I think we're headed in this direction. If Nintendo does what people want them to do all the time, which is actually do the thing that is popular and stop leaving your ips off the table then they would be smart to get in on this and they should credit this podcast at the very least and specifically you give maybe throw yes. some money your way throw some equity in my way come on yeah i'm a fan of nintendo <laughs> i buy your your products my whole life for sure so. <laughs> mm-hmm. based on the castle we put as the picture for this podcast i'm not 100 mm-hmm. percent sure we want nintendo to be snooping around in here that's but, true. Yeah. <laughs> if they like the idea and want to support us, they can find us. If they do not like us, please do not search for us. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> if they like us, they can find us at another castle CA. That's another castle mm-hmm. CA on all the socials. <laughs> Perfect. So, I mean, all of our money is going into that. That awesome. is beautiful. And it Thank brings you. us to our final segment of the day, the final boss that we have to slay. Unfortunately for me, the final boss to slay today is I. Because I have a question. That I would like to bring to the panel as we do every week. The final boss is the final question of the podcast. You can all give us your beautiful questions, listeners at home, and we will answer them for you here on this podcast. My question is rather simple. Would you rather have only all the games that have ever been made or all the games that will be made? So starting today, the day that this podcast airs, we'll give some leeway so that we can play all the games that have already come out. The day this podcast airs, you can only play every game that comes out after then. No games that have come out before then, or all the games that have come out before then, and no new games ever. Rodrigo, Damn. which one are you choosing? Uh, I, I think there's no wrong answer here because there is enough games in the past that if you chose that one, you would have an absolutely fine time. But my answer is I would definitely play 
only games that are still yet to come. And the reason why I say that is if you look at the track records of games today, I mean, we had already talked about in podcast past that like the storytelling has just gotten better and better and better since gaming has started. But even specifically like Nintendo games, which I'm a big fan of the Nintendo console. If you look at the best Mario Kart, the best Mario and the best Legend of Zelda, I would say that those are literally the last three that came out, like the latest ones, right? And so if I look forward and think, what will the next Mario, the next Mario Kart and the next Legend of Zelda be like? I think that those are games that I would absolutely want to play. Um, Also, we live in a time where it's like a spoiling of riches that like these indie games come out every other week with games that are definitely worth checking out. So I think I would feel sad that I would no longer play Mario 3, which I think is my absolute favorite game of all time. But I think that the trade off of being able to play all the games that are coming up would definitely be the right choice for me. I would have no regrets. And you know what? It might be, I, I think that I kind of use it as a crutch being able to go to like my my old favorites every now and then when I don't feel like starting something new. Like I, I the amount of times that I play the first two worlds of Donkey Kong Country 2 or Donkey Kong Country 3 is an infinite amount of times. But I think it would be exciting to just play new games and force myself to try out new games that I had not played before. So I think I would definitely go with that answer. So Diego Rodrigo's playing all the games that will come out in the future. For you, are you sticking with the oldies but goodies? Or is old game old? You got to move on. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to pick the other option, not the one that Rodrigo picked. So for this one, I'm going to choose to stay with the games that are already out there. Only because we're at a point where there's already so many games that I would never be able to play all of them anyways. Uh, My thought process behind that is that there are a ton of games that are incredibly well-reviewed that I have not played yet. I'm currently like sitting on a back catalog on Steam that I could dedicate my entire life to playing and probably still will not finish. Sure. Um, the, the thing is, though, it, it's like Rodrigo make, made a good point about like the most recent versions of the Nintendo franchise games being like the best versions. That's true. That's very true. But so like it, it is an optimistic view to think that the, the, the next games coming up are going to be better and better right but you don't know and i kind of live in the idea that like the future isn't guaranteed right so i think why not keep the games i already have right and enjoy them like um much more the thing about me is that like i video games are like they're a different experience for me because i try to i i enjoy them more by trying to get better at them and this is mostly uh because i enjoy competitive games and games that you play with your friends it's kind of to me i kind of feel like it's like board games i appreciate a game if it's fun to play with friends right video games are a bit different of course because they also offer experiences for single players but uh if gaming was only about finishing the story then i think i might have chosen the second option because if you play a game to enjoy the story and in general just the first reaction you get from playing it then of course you'll probably get through a game uh a lot faster than someone that is looking to do and learn everything about a game so, for example, since we were talking about Pokemon, uh, a game like Pokemon, you can play the game through as quickly as possible and have your solid team of six Pokemon and finish the story mode and be done with it. I think this is how most people play uh, that game. But on the other hand, there's people that will play the game for the collecting aspect of it, trying to catch all the Pokemon or trying to level up their Pokemon uh, in certain ways in order to have them be ready to battle with other people. And this is more in line with how I tend to explore certain video games. As I mentioned before, my favorite games are fighting games and the replayability of fighting games 
comes from learning to play your character so well that playing him almost seems like uh, an extension of yourself. Not just not just that, but also learning to face different opponents and learning different scenarios. So if you just play a fighting game for the story, that's also great and a lot of fun. But as I said before, you're going to be bored fast and and you're going to want to move on to the next game. Like, even though I know that Street Fighter 6 is going to come out at some point, I don't know if it's going to be any good, right? But in my mind, I know that Street Fighter 4 is perhaps one of the best fighting games ever made. The only problem with it is that everybody moves on to the next game because uh, the next game is always what makes them money. So then they, these people start abandoning like um, games like Street Fighter. So I guess my priority is really based on whether I will have people to play with. But also I feel that develop, developers put a lot of work into these games. And some of them truly uh, are truly worth exploring a bit more and just putting a little bit more time into them. That's fair. The but what about you, Jordan? I guess you would be the tiebreaker here. I was going to say the vote is one to one. So unfortunately, it does come down to me to make the ultimate decision for all gamers. I think I think this will be the deciding vote for what everyone can do from now on. And unfortunately, Diego, you're going to have to get used to these new games because I'm sticking with all <laughs> the games that will come out. Because, uh, to be fair, I'm never going to be able to play eFootball since it's already out, so all these new updates mean nothing to me. There's a new FIFA every year. <laughs> I don't have to worry about not yeah. getting my FIFA. But I'm also more interested in story a lot of the times for a lot of the games that I'm playing. And I don't have the patience or maybe the time anymore in my advanced age to be replaying a lot of games. I remember before when I was younger, I would replay the same game over and over and over again, which is kind of a necessity of just not having a lot of games like i think the first uncharted i beat maybe 10 times because i just had nothing else except for that and fifa at the time but i feel like nowadays i'll play a game i'll beat a game and then i'll move on to a new game so i feel like if it based on how i play games it wouldn't really make sense for me to cling to all the games that have come out i'm looking for the new experience the new stories new characters i'm gonna love so i'm gonna choose all the games that will come out. Let's Can I just add, uh, Diego mentioned uh, board games, and I will say that I treat board games like this hypothetical question in that every game that already exists has never been played again, and I only play new games that keep on coming out. I play them once, I learn how to play them, and then I never play them again. And then abandon. <laughs> abandon. Collecting dust. It's worse than my Steam account. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure, 100%. And I already pre-ordered uh, a couple of uh, video game-related board games. I pre-ordered uh, Stardew Valley, and I also have Castle Crashers coming out soon, so that will be exciting to play once and then never again. Although the bad news, if those games have already come out, you can't play their board game equivalents. That's a new wrinkle I've just added to this question right now. Oh, no. <laughs> I, hope you I hope you boys made the right choice here. <laughs> listen breath of the wild 2 if if is that not enough like can i think that's enough like i'll take the risk just for that but i don't want to die if, not being able to play breath of the wild 2 true but also if breath of the wild 2 ends up being the biggest flop then I, you you know you could just it could just be like a forgotten memory yeah for sure we'll see we'll see i think i i guess we'll, we'll find out uh if i made a right choice when breath of the wild 2 comes out and then i'll we'll return to this hypothetical question I feel like it will be a right choice, and I feel like the right choice has been made by all of our listeners for tuning in this week. The good news is you're going to have all of the episodes of your podcast is in another castle to listen to. Maybe forever. We'll see how long these stay up on uh, Spotify and the choice, your podcast choice of listening. Maybe they'll take them down. They can't take us down. It's a trick question. <laughs> Don't want to thank everyone for joining us this week. I want to especially thank Diego Rodrigo, always lovely to talk video games 
with you lovely boys. Same, you sure. can find us all over the internet, all over the socials at Another Castle CA. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember, it's dangerous to go alone. So take this podcast with you.